Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. As you can see, we're in a new series for the month of December called The End. We're going to talk about the end of the world, the return of Christ, and all those fun things. And so you can get really jazzed up to bring your friends for Christmas as we talk about the end of the world. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us, I'll say thank you for uh, choosing to worship with us today. And if you will, uh, take your connection card and put it in the blue basket over there beside the TV as you leave so we can stay in touch with you. And uh, one quick uh, thing I want to share with you is that you see this Incredible Hulk as you leave in the back and numbers beside him, right? And everybody's like, what's the Incredible Hulk about? Um, well, what we're doing is we're, we're uh, raising money for the Expand Campaign Project. And so we're hoping to uh, pave the side parking lot over there, expand more room in here. And so all I simply ask you to do is pray about what God, what God would have you give. Maybe a dollar? You may just give all 40000 and we'll take it, you know? Um, but if it's 50 cents, if it's a dollar, if it's five, whatever the Lord um, calls you to do, you do that. There's no pressure on you, but it will get fun because as we raise money, we're putting clothes on the Incredible Hulk. So if you want to see him clothed, let's raise the money. Wouldn't that be cool? And if we get enough, we'll put a mullet on him too and we'll make him look really funny. How does that sound? Somebody liked it. Nobody else did. So go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word to 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 4.13. Thessalonians, excuse me, 4.13. As you turn there, let's go ahead and pray. God, again, we, we praise you for um, a cold but beautiful day to worship you. And Father, we ask today as we read your word and unpack the idea of you returning Jesus, that you would spur us on to good works, that you would help us to understand the truth of your word. And God, that we would, um, we would be encouraged about you coming back again. During this Christmas season, as we celebrate your first coming, let us also look simultaneously at your second coming, Jesus, and be ready for that. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. But we decided to do a series on the end of the world or on the end times from Revelation during the Christmas season for the very reason that I just prayed. Because the uh, Christmas season is about Christ's first coming, his first advent, they call us. He came as a baby in the manger. But you must understand that Christ will return again. And so as you look at the baby in the manger, you should also be looking at the eastern sky saying, I'm ready for Jesus to return. Because the end of the world is fascinating. Think about it. Um, you guys have seen the movies about the end of the world. You might have seen the day after tomorrow. Any, any watchers? One person has seen that. The rest of you are liars because you watched it and you thought it was cheesy too. Um, it was a movie where a tsunami was coming and then it froze when it hit the city. Pretty crazy, right? Does anybody remember the older movie, uh, The End of Days, with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Anybody remember that? Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger, at the end of the world, defeats the devil and then he is voted in as the governor of California. Yes, that's how America works. They see him on the base. They're like, if he can defeat the devil, he can run our state. And so he gets in. Um, how many of you guys remember Y2K? Anybody remember that? Y2K? Um, some of you young people don't remember Y2K. You, no, you, were, you were too young. But the older folks in here like myself, um, so I'm incorporating myself with you guys, um, remember Y2K. You were scared to death, weren't you? What happens? All the computers could just go blank. We could lose everything. So there were Christians gathered around the altars at churches on New Year's Eve praying that the end of the world um, would not affect them during that time. How do I know that? Because I was at a church and they did that. We had a teen lock-in. And man, our adults were scared to death. What about the Mayan calendar fiasco? Remember that? 
Who remembers the date? December the... No, 21st. 2012. That's right. Some of you guys know it way too well. You must have really been following it. We were all scared the Mayan calendar ended. Did anybody ever think maybe their scribe just got tired? He's like, I'm done. That's far enough in advance. We probably won't make it that long. I figure I'm good. Um, Maybe he... Maybe he passed away. We don't know. Uh, but we remember all that. We've even had weird cults that predict the end of the world. If I ever get up here and I'm predicting the end of the world, what I need you to do, ushers, as I walk off stage, have a straight jacket for me. Um, usher me to Tucker's immediately. Okay? Um, and then please find another pastor because we don't know exactly when the end will come. And there's either some people who believe planets will collide and we're done. Now, I am part of a small group of people that believe that cats, those evil creatures, will grow opposing thumbs. And then at night while you're sleeping, they will take over the universe. Actually, I don't believe that, but really it could happen. So be, just be careful. Don't, don't buy cats. As Bob Barker would say, get your pets spayed and neutered. Um, there, are three, there are three major points to history that you have to remember. Three major points. One is creation. And we talked about the Imago Day last week at both campuses. And that's when God created the world. That's very important. The second major point of history, if you're breaking the three chapters, is the, the coming of Christ and the resurrection. Just put all that kind of in one big clump. Jesus coming to earth. And then the final point of history is Jesus coming again. And what I want to do is look at the return of Jesus today and what that means for us. And why is that important during the Christmas season? You're just thinking, Bordeaux, why would you do a series on the end during Christmas? It should be lighthearted and you should be preaching about Home Alone or something, right? Something funny. Well, I really love, and I think as you look at the first coming of Christ, the baby in the manger, you've got to also look at Christ coming again. And why is that? Because in the Bible, there are five times as many prophecies about the second coming of Jesus as there, as there were the first coming of Jesus. But we have a holiday about the first coming of Christ, don't we? But how many times do we actually think about the second coming of Christ? So during this series, what I want to do is help you guys and myself even understand more about the return of Christ. And go ahead and look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It's going to be our text today. And the church at Thessalonica was unique because when Paul planted that church in the first century, I mean, the dude went in there. There were no believers. Now watch this. He planted the church, raised up a church, and three weeks later left to go plant the next one. That's a short tenure for the pastor, right? I mean, I've seen a year before. Pastors only last a year, but not three weeks. Um, but he, so they were very immature believers. They didn't know a whole lot. All they knew were, well, man, we love Jesus and we believe in Jesus. But they were very confused about what's going to happen when we die. And what they were scared of was this. In the first century, the early church believed Jesus could come at any time. Why is that? Because the apostles had seen him. They had walked with him. They saw him die and get up from the dead. They're like, dude, he can come back any time. Be ready. Like, literally, we were walking on the road, and he just shows up talking to us. I mean, they're like, get ready. He can show up. So when people started dying in their families, naturally, these pagan converts were like, what's going on? 
Paul, we don't understand this. So what happens to these folks who've died? Because we didn't think we were going to die. We literally thought that Jesus may return before any of us pass away. And as pagans, they believed in Thessalonica, Corinth, Asia Minor. They believed in that time that, that you just went to sleep forever. When you died, you just laid on a pillow, a heavenly pillow, and you were out, you know, uh, posturepedic forever. You were gone. Just, and, and, and they believed that. They didn't believe in annihilationism that you would just go away, but you were just sleeping. And so they were very concerned. So Paul speaks to them, and you'll hear some terms about falling asleep, and he uses that language because that's how they understood it in their pagan culture. But look what he tries to give them. Look at verse 13 and tries to give them uh, understanding. He says, brothers... We do not want you to be ignorant. You guys know what ignorant is? It's hard to explain, but you know what it is. Yeah, you know, you're not sure what this is all about. So, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. So, they, I mean, their funerals were really bad. Because the pagans believed that... That person, you would never be reunited with them again. So they grieve like there was no tomorrow. Have you seen those funerals like that before where it's just like, man, I'm telling you, people are just, I mean, I'm talking about sprawled out crying. I've seen it, been there, preached those funerals. Um, that's what they were doing. And Paul said, we have hope that the world doesn't have. Now look what he says in verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command or a loud shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. Use your imagination when reading the Bible. Think about this day. You're going to hear the loudest shout in the history of mankind. It will be heard all around the world. And then you hear a big, which will sound a lot better, but a big trumpet blast. The whole world hears it. CNN starts reporting. Fox News is reporting. Local news stations are wondering what's going on. And just like you saw in the video, we're called up to be. Isn't that crazy to think about? It will be a very tremendous moment when that happens at the second coming. And look what he says in verse 17. After that, we who are still alive or are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. If you don't like heights, just be careful. Second coming, you're going up to meet the Lord. So, close your eyes. Um, and so, we will be with the Lord forever. And I want you to zero in on verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That's the whole point of, the, of, of what Paul's saying here. Because the people in Thessalonica, they were discouraged. They were distraught. They had people that, 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 were, that were dying that said we'd never get to see him again. He said, encourage each other with these words. Realize this. The greatest enemy that human, humans have, which is death, Jesus defeated. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And if you're a believer, you never have to taste death. Isn't that beautiful? I'll explain that a little more. But we should be encouraging each other with that truth. And so here's the big, today's big idea. Knowing this should affect our life. And, and, and write this in your notes here. Today's big idea is knowing Christ will return, again, should affect how we live for him now. Knowing Christ will return again should affect how we live for 
him now. And let me just be honest with you. I'm, I'm excited to teach this series because so many times as a, as a pastor, and, and again, I work with pastors and coach pastors, you feel this need to perform. I could, I could teach you about moving your mountains and getting your miracles and getting your blessings. We'd all kick chairs over and be happy and shouting and say we had a good time. But, you know, I had to actually repent before the Lord as I, as I prepared our series for this year. You know, I prepared a year in advance because I'd never taught a series on the second coming of Christ. I was so busy wanting to entertain people and keep them happy that I'd never taught. This is one of the cardinal doctrines of Christianity. I mean, there are like four or five cardinal doctrines, and this is one of them. And so as believers, we've got to grab hold of this truth here, and it should affect how we live today. So here's the hope that we have. I'm going to walk this uh, with you through this. The hope that we have today. The first one is this. The first point is the return. The return. That's the first hope that we have, and it should change our life. Christ is coming again. Look at John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back or return and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. That's a promise from Jesus, that he's going to come back. And see, in the early church, as I said before, they had such an anticipation of Jesus returning, that at any time he could return. So they had this word called Maranatha. And they would greet each other with the word Maranatha when they'd see each other, meaning the Lord will return. The Lord will return. So that greeting was used with Maranatha. Remember back in the 90s, they had Maranatha music. You probably didn't know what that meant, but um, but that's what it meant. The Lord will return. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.14. Paul says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I mean, realize this. There's two resurrections that you'll see in Scripture. The first resurrection is for believers, and we'll be resurrected to everlasting life. Now, the second resurrection is not really great to talk about, but it's the second resurrection is for those who have not received Christ. And they'll be resurrected to the white throne judgment, which we'll talk about in the coming uh, weeks, but there'll be two resurrections. You guys ever heard of the saying, you remember back when we started social media and instant messaging and all this stuff, you ever heard of YOLO? Y-O-L-O. Who, what does that mean? You only live once. Okay, somebody got arrested. You act like you didn't know. You're too cool. Um, but remember YOLO, you only live once. Well, if you're a believer, you only die once. Follow me here. I'll show this to you. If you've fallen asleep, then, then awake. And I'll show you why in Scripture in a little bit. It's dangerous if you sleep in church. Seriously, it's in Scripture. <laughs> but you're born once, and you can die twice. Or, do you get that? Or you can be born twice and only die once. Did you get that? So you can be born once, but you're going to die twice. Or you can be born twice and die once. Here's what that means. Your first birth is a natural birth from your mother and you're born of the flesh, the Bible calls it. You're born into sin. Well, how do I know that? Do any of you have to teach your children disobedience classes? 
No, you have to teach them obedience because we're just born with a sinful nature um, with us, right? We're just born into it. That's what it is. So we're born once. And the Bible says in Romans 3.10 and 3.23 in the Romans road that, that, that we are all, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you've been born once. Now, if you do not receive Christ as your Savior, okay, what happens is you will die. Uh, the first death is a physical death. You guys all understand we're going to die physically one day, right? Can anybody let you know that? Well, I started to break it to you if you didn't know. Um, but you're going to die uh, uh, once one day physically. Now, we're all going to die that way. But here's the second death that non-believers will die. And that's the spiritual death. Where you will be cast into the lake of fire by your own choice and your own volition. Now, I know this isn't good preaching and people don't like that. So people who don't receive Christ are born once and they die, die, die twice. But watch this. You can change that. You can be born twice and only die once. Because you're born once in the flesh, once from your mom. And then you're born again by the Spirit, by receiving Christ as your Savior. By confessing Christ as your Lord, by living for Him. So you're, you're born again, you're regenerated, you've been born twice. And then when you die, all you're going to uh, have is a physical death. And here's the beauty for believers. Check this out. You'll never taste death. You'll pass. The moment you pass, you go to be with Jesus. And me, the angels will come to usher you into God's presence. Now, if you've ever worked in hospice or spent time around people who die, um, you, will, you can tell there's a difference between a saint. When I say a saint, that's a believer. Saint, all believers are saints according to the Bible. A, 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 a saint that lives for the Lord, when they pass, it's beautiful. When my grandfather passed, uh, there were stories that you could feel the presence of God in the room. But I've also been in places where non-believers have passed. And it's a dark feeling. That's all I can explain. I don't know. It's just, it's not beautiful. It's a dark feeling. Because when a believer passes, they're not dying. Their body's going away, but they're going to be with the Lord. They're transitioning to be with the Lord. So here's the saying. Um, the world says you only live once. Well, actually, as believers, you ready? You only die once. To get that? So... Our saying, amen, our saying, either, either do the golf clap or, or, or do the full clap. Don't, don't do it halfway. You guys go for it. Oh, no, no. Amen. So like, it's a good puddle nine. He just uh, parred the birdie. Um, so anyway, so as believers, here's what we should be saying, yodo. Not YOLO, but YODO. You only die once. Kind of like Maranatha. And so when you leave today and, and you're sitting over lunch and they're like, well, what the pastor preach on? And you're sitting with family or friends somewhere. They say, he preached on YODO. So watch YODO. You only die once if you're a believer. See, that's free. Everybody's like, oh, wow, man. You really listen to church. Here's the second point. The rapture. Not only the return of Christ, but the second point this morning, right in your notes, is the rapture. It's a second hope that we have, where the living Christians are taken away. As you saw in the video, they were having a wedding, they were having a party, um, they, were, they were found like they shouldn't have been, and then people were being raptured, and they were watching these people go up, and that's when living Christians are taken away. And look at 1 Thessalonians 4.17. It says, and after that, we, are, we who are still alive and left will be caught up. Focus on that word, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, some people will say, well, pastor, you know the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the word Bible is not in the, in the Bible either, right? You can't find it in there. Here's where they get the word rapture from. And this is one of our cardinal doctrines. from The word harbazo from caught up. And it literally means to be seized or snatched up, okay? Now, mama's in here. 
Have you been in a toy store or the toy department and your child is throwing a fit? What you did to them was you harbazoed them. You snatched them up by the back of their drawers and you put them in the car and you pushed them on. You literally took them from that place and you put... That's what the word means there, to snatch up. It's kind of the born supremacy or born identity. You've seen those movies where, where Jason Bourne's running and the van comes alongside of him and they snatch him into the van. They, they seize him. Uh, when I was in high school, we had a friend who had a lot of mouth and he wanted to fight all the time and we had to keep rescuing him. And one day, he went to fight um, this group of guys. There's like 10 guys. He's going to fight all of them together. And we found out after school where he was at. And so when we, we saw him walking up to this group of guys, we thought he's going to get killed. So what we did, we harbazoed him. We, we drove beside him in this, this little Nissan truck, which that little truck got us in so much trouble. And we drove beside him, and I was in the front seat. My other buddy was in the back. As we drove by him and he was walking, we literally snatched him up and threw him in the back of the truck and drove off and saved him from getting his butt kicked in that fight. We harbazoed him. We snatched him up. That's what the word rapture means. You're wondering, so if somebody says well, the word rapture is not in the Bible, you say, well, harbazo is. And actually, and you can go into a long discourse and that'll leave you alone once you uh, say that. There are four general types of beliefs when it comes to the rapture, okay? As for, for all Protestant Christians. And all four beliefs are in line with Christianity. You can operate, and depending on what denomination maybe you grew up in or came from, what your first truth was, you, you, know, you hold on to. But we all believe there's going to be a seven-year tribulation now this seven year tribulation is broken into two different halves you have the three and a half you have half time and the next three and a half which equals seven now uh, what they believe the second three and a half years they believe that's going to be like the worst tribulation ever like walking dead type stuff and y'all laugh. I'm talking about it's bad. It's like cannibalism. It's, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be really bad. So imagine three and a half, half time, three and a half, seven years. Some people believe that before any of it takes place, the seven year, before the seven year mark starts, the year one, boom, we're raptured away and we never see it. That's what some, that's called pre-tribulation rapture. Others believe that mid-tribulation, that you're going to be snatched up during the middle of that tribulation during the three and a half years there, boom, at half time. And others believe that you'll be snatched up um, post-tribulation at the end of the tribulation. Once you persevere, make it through, then you'll be snatched up. So they all believe in the rapture, but at different times. There's a fourth group that I call pan. That believes it's all going to pan out. Meaning that we're going to get taken. Jesus is going to snatch us up. Don't know if it's going to be pre, mid, or post, but he's going to do it. And so some of you may say, I don't know of it, but I know he is coming back again. And that's what pan tribulationists are. He's coming back. Don't know which point it will be. But the, the truth is this. We can all agree on this. He is going to come snatch us up. Jesus will come again. Matthew 24, 39 says this. Jesus says, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. We must be ready. Do, do the work of the Lord, Maranatha. And look at Revelation 16, 15. 
John writes this and it's Jesus saying it. He's, Jesus says, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake in church. <laughs> Actually, that's not in there. I, and I can't add that in there because I'll get in trouble because you're not supposed to do that. You don't add to the Bible. That's, that's, that's the first rule of preaching. Um, blessed is he who stays awake. And maybe it means in church. I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, and keeps his clothes with him that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Now, my grandfather, who, you know, he he learned how to read by reading the Bible. So it wasn't a lot of education. So he would read this. He would sit back. He'd, like, he'd be like, son, you know what that means, don't you? I was like, I was new, you know, new, new to Christ. I didn't know. He was like, you know what this means, don't you? I was like, no, sir. All them ladies out there in the bikinis, they're not clothed. And they're, they're found naked. Jesus is going to leave them, leave them right there at the rapture. And I was like, oh, really? And then my grandma was, my grandma was like, Harold, it don't mean that. <laughs> and so, you know, and so what, what he's saying here is this, though. You want to be awake and alert and ready for the coming of the Lord. You want to be awake and alert for that. But you also want to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ when he comes. But to be, to be spiritually naked means that you don't know Jesus. And you've never surrendered your life. When he comes back, you are not clothed with his righteousness. And to, so to be awake, you can sleep in church and still be raptured. So um, I just want to give you that, that peace of mind. If you doze off and wake up and you think... and you know, it's all over with. We actually had a student one time when I was in youth ministry who he went to sleep on the first row and he actually laid down on the first row during youth ministry and we didn't wake him up. We all left and he got, because we had been teaching on the rapture. Dude actually thought everybody had been raptured. He, we were all gone. We left. Cut lights off on him. He was out. I mean, this dude was out. Um, he was the best training for preaching because if you're a young preacher, you need that person in the front row that's laid out like like, like horizontally. They're, they're, I mean, they're laid out sleeping. If you can preach through that, you can probably preach through anything. But he thought, it's over. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. It's been raptured. So, um, But you can fall asleep in church. It's okay. And, and God will still take you. The, the third one is this, the reunion. Christians will be with God forever. The reunion. This is my third and final point. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 says this. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So what does Paul say? He says, when you hear about the second coming, encourage each other with these words. So, here's a test. Should we stockpile weapons and stockpile food and live in our basements and shoot people in the face in Jesus' name? No. Good, you passed. If you said yes, our prayer team is available after service to pray with you. What we should do is encourage each other with these words. And especially during the holiday season, we just passed through Thanksgiving. And I guarantee that everybody had an empty chair at their table somewhere. There was an empty chair that was sitting there. And there was feelings and emotions about that empty chair that was there. It was a, probably a loved one that, had, that, that you've lost. And I'm telling you what you need to do is to encourage each other with these words. As you're sitting around the dinner table and, and, and you're talking about that person, you need to look and say, Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. We will be reunited again. We will be with them. That's the promise that Jesus gives us. Isn't that beautiful? Um, what, what, you, know, you should also encourage your kids. Let me just say this, and, and the worship team can come as I close here. Is 
you should, as you are, are making the tree and putting the gifts under there and you're doing all the Christmas stuff, you should sit down with your kids and also say to them, we got this tree and we got these gifts. Do you know what Christmas is all about? And everyone's saying, yeah, about Jesus. That's right. He did come. But do you know he's going to come again for us? And we'll get to live with God forever? That's what the word Maranatha means. And you should teach your children that as they look at the tree, they look at the lights, and they look at the gifts, they should also be ready for the second coming of Christ. We should encourage each other with these words. I believe one of the reasons we don't is because in America... I think that we buy into less than pleasures. I mean, I mean, if I asked you, if I was like, Jesus is going to come back Tuesday, you'd be like, no, man, I'm getting that big flat screen TV that curves and it's 3D. I just wanted to play my Xbox One on it for once. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, you're like, man, you know, I'm supposed to get a new car next month. I don't want Jesus to come back. Oh, no, I haven't. And I really believe it. I was thinking about myself, too. We have this list of things. that well, No, I don't go travel and do these vacations. I want to have all these things. But the truth of the matter is, guys, the greatest experience we will ever have is when we are ushered into the presence of the Lord, when we transition from death, uh, from life to death. Amen? That's the greatest thing that we will ever experience. And so many times we don't think about heaven. We don't talk about the second coming because we want to break the miracle. We want a blessing now. And sometimes when you don't see God answering prayers and you don't see things happen and life gets tough, you need to encourage each other. Jesus will come again. There'll be an end to our sorrow. There'll be an end to our tears. There'll be an end to our pain. There'll be an end to our sickness. And we will get to be with Christ forever. So in closing, what does this mean? How should this affect my life? And 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Verse 51, when Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, another pagan group, he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always listen, listen, listen. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me ask you a question, church. If Jesus was coming back Tuesday, how would you live different today? If Jesus was coming back Tuesday to wrap, how would you live different today? Then start living that way. We should live with the expectation that Christ will return. Amen. It should change the way we look at everything in life. So my heart for you is this. During the holiday season, I want to make Christmas. I want to ruin your Christmas forever. But what 
I want to do is, for now on, anytime you put up a tree, you think about Jesus coming again. For he was hung on a tree, and his promise remains true. Anytime you put gifts out uh, by the tree, whether you do that or not, um, at the same time, you thank Jesus for the gift of salvation. You teach your children. But also, we have the gift and the promise of the second coming as well. As you gather around and loved ones aren't at the table, you don't have to weep and grieve like the rest of the world do. But we can look at each other and say, Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. The Lord will come again. And for some of you in here today, it's sobering. Because you know maybe you're not living for Jesus. You know that, man, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of in cruise control. And it's sobering to hear the message that Christ will return. I want you to stand to your feet this morning.